On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, it's happened. Ryan Reynolds has announced that the production on Deadpool, at least in, sh- in front of the camera, is now complete. Also, Peacock has just had the biggest subscriber influx in the history of streaming services. And how does it affect sports and stuff like that moving forward on streamers? Also, the Bullseye character from the Netflix Daredevil series is officially coming over to Daredevil Born Again on Disney+. And... Get ready. Uh, Apparently, Netflix is getting ready to raise their prices some more as they are getting ready to cut their lowest ad-free tier and a whole bunch more of that and a bunch more on today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, which starts right now. And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Campy Show podcast. Coming from right here... In our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or a little bit different than ours. Uh, joining me in studio today, I got Ray Ora. Good morning. Jonathan Voiko's here. Hello. Writer, director, producer, Robert Meyer Burnett. Hello there. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for making this little show a part of your day, and here's how the show's going to go. We're going to start off by going through all those topics that I just listed off. Then in the last part of the show, well, that's where you guys come in, because we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, we already asked our beloved YouTube channel members to fire in some topics, but if you guys are watching the show live, and you got to be watching live, you can use the Super Chat feature in the live chat. You'll be supporting our show, but also we'll address your comments or questions if they're appropriate to be addressed at the end of the show. One little reminder, too, guys, uh, the John Campion Show podcast is uh, kind of primarily a podcast. Uh, if you guys are looking for an audio-only version of the show, maybe you're commuting, you're at the gym, whatever, or anything, Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast so it's there when you need it. Just go on your favorite podcasting app of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, and just search for the John Campbell Show podcast and go and subscribe to it today. All right, guys, that down, let's get things started here with this. Everybody knows my number one most anticipated movie of the year is going to be Deadpool 3. I'm not saying it's going to be the best movie of the year. I'm just saying that's the one I am looking forward to the most. Uh, Ever since they made the announcement that they were finally going to be doing it, it's in the MCU, and the coup of all coups, they got Hugh Jackman to come out of retirement as Wolverine to appear in the film as the knucklehead himself. Cannot wait. Now, the production's been a bit of an adventure. They got things rolling. It got staggered, of course, because of the strikes. They finally got back to shooting. Well, today... Deadpool himself, the Merc with the Mouth, Ryan Reynolds, good Canadian kid, put out on social media that uh, it's done. For some (laughs) reason, he thought it was important to commemorate the event with a close-up shot of his package, which uh, not not a lot of Americans know is a Canadian custom. A, A picture of your own package is a symbolic gesture of completion. I'm making this up. (laughs) (laughs) Totally making it up, though. Um, Basically saying in his post that uh, production is now done. They're wrapped, and he says, we'll see you on July 20th. So, we are now in January, so like uh, March, April, May, June, July. We're five months away. But I got one big question. 
Now, first of all, Rob, you know what I'm going to say. This is the tangibilization. It's done. It's it's real. Now, I'm sure they're still doing post-production work on it, but yeah. <clears throat> the, all the shooting is now done. Hugh Jackman's workouts are finished. <laughs> and, of course, the big question that I have now, because of something you brought up, we are about three months away from CinemaCon. Now, CinemaCon in April is still going to be May, June, It's still going to be three full months away yeah. from Deadpool debuting in cinemas, which is a little far for a normal CinemaCon screening. But you mentioned that you believe that Disney is going to show Deadpool 3 at CinemaCon. Now, of course, this isn't a normal situation. Not like they just finished production now and now post-production starts. They've been doing post-production on this movie for a long time. All through the strike. And all through the months-long strikes and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so here's my question. Number one, just quick thoughts about the production of Deadpool 3 finally being done. And number two, do you still think they could have a version of this movie ready to show at CinemaCon in April? Well, first of all, I think it's great that that they're done and that they've commemorated the, uh, because obviously like you, I'm really, I'm really excited. I don't even see this as an MCU movie. I see this as sort of the coda to the entire Fox X-Men franchise, you know? And, and, and like I was, I was even asking you the question the other day, is this movie going to start with the Fox, the 20th century Fox right? logo? Yeah, we were talking about that. You know, and, and we see the destroyed logo. We've seen it in behind the scenes photos. So maybe that's how the movie opens or something. I don't know. And maybe we'll get the Disney, the MCU logo at the end or something. I have no idea. But I, I'm very excited to see this film. I think, you know, we've seen what Sean Levy and, and Ryan Reynolds do when they team up together. They did the Adam Project. They did the uh, Free Guy together. Their, their humor, wildly entertaining. Hugh Jackman, obviously, this is a long time coming. Uh, I think everything about this movie is fan thinking. I mean, it's they're giving the fan base exactly what we've always wanted, I think. And... I, I can't think of another movie. Just the thought of this movie makes me smile. <laughs> it just makes me smile. And I, I love that it got made. I uh, To be honest, John, it's shocking to think that this movie did get made because they haven't done anything with the X-Men. They haven't announced anything with the X-Men. And this is essentially a de facto X-Men mutant movie. And who knows what's going to happen in this movie? I'm sure whatever happens is bonkers. But as, as whether or not they're going to show it at CinemaCon, if they were... If they were just stopping production now, I would say no. But because of the strike, during the strike, they could continue on with editorial. Four months what, of post Yeah, whatever they had yeah. shot up to that in Visual anticipation. Visual effects, editing, all sound, of it, music. All of it. So, and, and you know, they studio movies, they want to finish movies in advance because they have to subtitle and dub movies for the international marketplace. So I would imagine much of the production, because this is just after the holidays. So I would imagine that much of the production on this film probably was completed before they had to stop for the strike. So listen, we as movie fans, we have a tendency. I I've heard from time to time to maybe blow things out of proportion. Maybe a little bit. Maybe no. we, movie fans do that a little bit. No, but let me ask you this though, right now with, with the announcement of Deadpool three being now, now complete, We've talked a little bit here and there with the state of the MCU currently, the fact that in the entire calendar year of 2024, the only MCU thing coming to theaters is Deadpool 3. How important is this movie 
And and more specifically, how important is it that this movie is good for the MCU at this point? John, I think it's 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 imperative that this movie's good. Because we you know, the other two big high pro, high profile projects, we've got Daredevil completely retooled. Yeah. Change the whole thing. <clears throat> Captain America, Brave New World, completely retooled. They hired a new a, a new uh writer yeah which after a film is totally complete they look at a movie they realize it doesn't work i mean kudos to them for soldiering on and making sure that uh the movie's made better again something kevin feige wouldn't have had the authority to do if bob chapek was still the ceo uh, of disney 100 percent. and i think that these three things deadpool 3 daredevil born again and uh, captain america brave new world are they have to all three be great they have to be great because they need these three projects need to restore the luster to one of the great franchise brands ever in the history of Hollywood. I mean, they've got to the Captain America film franchise, three movies in a row of box office that just went straight up. You know, and I understand that that and and people generally consider Captain America the Winter Soldier to be the best of the single MCU movies maybe outside avengers films and i, I think still lean towards civil war but winter soldier is but civil war is like avengers 2.0 in a way whereas winter soldier was really a captain america story and i look i really like anthony mackie as sam wilson the falcon turned captain america i i um i i have i have really high hopes for the movie just like i did for the other captain america films but this film Look, this film is not only going to, I think, restore the theatrical luster to the MCU brand, but I think that it's going to be a crowd pleaser. I think it's going to have people going back. I think people are going to have a lot of fun with this movie. I just hope it doesn't go too far into the silliness. Well, and again, and I, the, the Deadpool talked, movies have done a good job not doing that. Because if they, you can go really into silly if you make sure your silly is worth it. Right. And you make sure that silly has a payoff and makes the audience laugh and not roll their eyes like they did in Thor Love and Thunder, right? I would say this. I would say I'm very, very close to your opinion. I, I think it's absolutely no pressure, Ryan. It is absolutely essential that Deadpool crushes it because if the audience goes, you couldn't even do Deadpool right? I, I, I think the MCU could be in a lot of trouble. Now, I don't think all three of those upcoming projects have to nail it. I think Deadpool 3, essential. Yeah. Then I think if just one of the two remaining ones, like on the Disney Plus side, uh, Daredevil Born Again, on the theatrical side, Captain America 4, I think if they can really crush two out of the next three, Deadpool being one of the essential ones, and then one of the remaining two... I think they will be in a much healthier position going into 2025 yeah. for this new era of the MCU. But God help them. If Deadpool 3 disappoints and then say... That never disappoints. Come on. I mean, it, it, I mean, I, in Ryan, I trust. If there's a Canadian at the wheel, you're in good hands. But heaven help them then if like Daredevil Born Again also disappoints. They'll be in trouble. But they can position themselves. They've got an opportunity here, Rob an opportunity to write this ship going into 2025. I only hope, John, that they don't, because it's Disney, that they don't have to water down the humor. Because both Deadpool 1 and 2 have some pretty body, edgy, funny stuff in them. And it'll, it will be very apparent if they have to pull back from that. Prior to 
prior to Deadpool coming in to the MCU. Could you imagine an MCU movie having an International Women's Day joke? That no, no, no. And now, listen, Ryan Reynolds and his writers have said they've never given us any notes. They now they've said at least publicly. We'll find out if this is true or not. They have claimed that Warner or that uh, Disney has given them carte blanche. Whatever you want to do, go for it. That's one thing to say that until they see it. And then it's like, uh, wait a minute. But I'm, I'm curious because the first Deadpool made $750 million on a, what, $65 million spend. Very profitable. Deadpool 2 also made 800 plus. I could see this movie. I mean, this could be a billion dollar film. I think it, it as long as it's not bad, I as think it will be. As long as it's not bad. It could be a billion dollar film. And if that's the case, the luster is, is back. And, um, I just look, I don't think that the MCU <clears throat> could be making another movie that has more audience goodwill than this does. Yep. We all want it. I mean, we're all fingers crossed. We, it puts a smile on our face. Just thinking about it. We want this movie to be great and it's theirs to lose us. Yep. hundred percent. All right, guys, <clears throat> With that down, kind of before we get into our next topic, but something to segue into it, I have been developing a major bro crush on, you've heard me talk a lot about him lately, on NFL superstar Jason Kelsey, right? I, I, I really got into him and his brother, Travis Kelsey's podcast. It's fantastic. I love the documentary of him on Amazon. I was watching just, that last night. Oh, where, were you? Yeah. What did you think? It's great. Right? I didn't get just, to finish it. I just just called Kelsey. Yep. Right? Where this big, true definition of a man's man yeah. who is so 100% dedicated to his wife and his three little girls. Like, he is the true definition of a man to me, right? Well, then he went viral the other day because he was at the Buffalo Bills Kansas City Chiefs game, they're supporting his brother because his Philadelphia Eagles are out. And then this picture, of course, went viral. Jonathan, you got that? uh, You can bring this up. This picture went viral. We're in, like, negative freezing temperatures. He took off his shirt, went out into the crowd, and Buffalo fell in love with him. And the internet went wild. Like, this went completely viral, right? But a new thing that happened at that game started going viral last night. What happened was, of course, Jason Kelsey gets all ramped up. He's had a few beers, takes his shirt off in the minus, and then he climbs out of the private box that he's in with Taylor Swift and Cara, Dara, uh, Cara how do you? Delavine. Delavine, Delavine. And, you know, his mom and his dad and all that. He climbs out and goes amongst the people, right? And By the way, this could have gone wrong 30 different ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> many, many different ways it could have gone wrong. But he climbs out, and of course, he's there supporting the Kansas City Chiefs, but the fans of Buffalo love him, right? He's one of them in many ways. Well, what happened was, and this just started going viral, and this just made everybody love him even more. He sees some little eight-year-old girl with her mother with a sign. The little girl made a sign. It said, Taylor Swift and the Buffalo Bills, best first game ever. So I guess it was her first time going to a football game. So Jason Kelsey, shirtless, mountain of a man, apparently goes over and says, let's go show this sign to Taylor. And the mom is like, the only shirtless drunk man I would ever let pick up my daughter. And he picks up this little girl 
And he takes her, carries, goes back up and carries her up to the booth and holds her up so the little girl can show her sign to Taylor. And Taylor clapped for her and smiled. And then the little girl just started bawling. <laughs> like bawling her eyes out because she got this like reception from Taylor Swift. So takes her back. I, I mean, I am, I just, I'm not a big fan of musicians. I'm not a big fan of whatever big superstars. I'm a fan of really great people. And every time I see anything that this guy does, it's just like, this is what men should be like. And I just thought it was, and it was going, like I saw this one, I saw this one comment. It was much like the Henry Cavill comment, but this is going viral on Instagram and everywhere. And girlfriends, I watched this and I got pregnant. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I mean, good on him. Good people doing good things. Now, the reason I brought that up, uh, besides the fact this is awesome, is that this leads us into our next topic in some ways. And that is this. You know, the other day we did a story here on the John Campion show about Netflix. Did you see this? Got the rights to WWE Monday Night Raw. Yes, they did. At $500 million per year for 10 years, starting next January. A $5 billion deal. And one of the things we said about on the show was, that this is brilliant for Netflix because what's the streaming paradigm all about? Getting new subscribers. That's all that matters. And now you're going to have millions and millions of wrestling fans that are now, if they want to watch their Monday Night Raw, they got to have Netflix. This is going to get them new subscribers. That kind of led the discussion into about how all the major streamers, including Max and everything, have been dabbling in sports, trying to get more into live events as well. Well, how big can it get? And that is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you got a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline anytime at 951-268-4259. And today's is about streaming and how big of an impact sports can have. Check it out. Hey, John and crew. This is Joey from Cleveland, Ohio. I had a question that was kind of related to Netflix's recent rights acquiring of the WWE Raw for the next 10 years. With the Super Bowl coming up fairly shortly, obviously not this year, but how far away do you think we are from having one of the streamers acquiring the rights for the Super Bowl? Even if it's just a one-time event, I would imagine it'd be a pretty penny to get the rights for that. But what are your thoughts on that possibility? Thanks. Have a good day. All right, Joey. Thanks a lot for sending that in. Now, I'm not really aware of the current status of the length of contract for the Super Bowls. So I think right now all the major networks are uh, hopscotching each other. Like, I think CBS is covering it this year, yeah. and the next year might be Fox. and the, yeah, But that will end at some point. There'll be a limitation to that contract. What are the chances that a Netflix, a Max, a Disney+, Plus, a Peacock, at some point that if you want to watch the Super Bowl, you're going to have to be a member of one of these streaming services. I'll tell you what the odds are. 100%. And if they weren't 100% as of three weeks ago, they're definitely 100% today. Because, and this report just came out. You guys remember, we talked about this, that, you know, for the first time ever, there was an NFL playoff game, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Miami Dolphins, that you couldn't watch on anything except a streaming service, Peacock, Peacock only. Well, how successful was it? This comes to us from IndieWire. With 2.8 million new Peacock signups, 
over a 72-hour period, the Miami Dolphins versus Kansas City Chiefs game was the impetus for the biggest subscriber acquisition moment ever observed <laughs> by streaming measurement company Antenna, which has been in business since 2019. The term moment is important here as it refers to a three-day span. The largest ever single day for streaming signups remains for Disney Plus on its launch day. But aside from your launch day, the day we launch, okay, you get a bunch of subscribers there. Not Netflix, not Max, not Disney Plus other than the day they launched and turned on their service. Nothing else. The biggest quote-unquote moment for a streaming service getting new subscribers was Peacock. And it wasn't the, an Oscars ceremony. It wasn't Elton John live at the bowl. It was a football game that got them nearly 3 million new subscribers in one little window, just like that. This is not a sports story. This is a streaming story because this is why these numbers like this, and this wasn't even a Super Bowl. This wasn't even a divisional final. It's stories like this that all the streamers are looking at and going, <laughs> and thinking about all the new subscribers they can get with WWE Midnight, uh, uh, Midnight Raw, Monday Night Raw, maybe with, with NHL, Major League Baseball, NBA. More and more of these streaming services are getting into the sports not because they think, you know, all movie fans are sports fans, but because they know live sporting events bring in viewers. I was looking at a chart of the top 30 most viewed television broadcasts of 2023. I think like 19 of them were NFL games. Hmm. And I think of the top 20, like 17 of them were NFL games. It's crazy, but what are the chances that one of these streamers at some point is going to put up the ludicrous amount of money they'll have to pay the NFL to have the rights to broadcast the Super Bowl? Rob, I think it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. It'll definitely happen at some point. How do you interpret all this? Because this is a lot of information. Well, first of all, I think that clearly, I mean, we are talking about this before the show started. How much money does a streamer have to spend to garner subscribers. Like you said, it's all about subscribers. And I was reading this article about what Netflix was spending on these large ticket movies like Red Notice or The Gray Man. $200 million, $220 million. I bet they sub paid substantially less or Peacock paid substantially less to run the the Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs game on their on their platform. How many, and, and they, they got this many subscribers. This yeah. is a huge epic win for comparatively not as much expense. And I think the thinking behind the streaming wars has been such where they're there. And they're also, John, licensed content is proving to be more lucrative than original content that the streamers are making. We've seen that with Suits. You know, we've seen that with other... Uh, Seinfeld, The they're, Office. They're putting Sex yeah. in the City on Netflix, you know, because what Warner Brothers Discovery is now licensing out their material rather than making exclusive to their own platforms. And everybody, it's the Wild West out there. And I think this shows that sports, like you said, sports is an evergreen. You're always going to make money from sports. And, and if they make exclusive deals for these kinds of things, the NFL... I mean, I think it's win-win. It's win for the streamers. It's win for people uh, that want to see 
you know, their shows or whatever and and the, the games they want to watch. So as far as the streamers go, I don't think they can go wrong yeah. licensing th- sporting events. And I think because it's a one-day thing, let's say Netflix, they book the, the Super Bowl. Even if you have the ad free, I think you're still going to get the Super Bowl with ads. That oh, would- oh, yeah. They, there's no way around that. Yeah. Right. Really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, guys. What do you think about that? I, I mean, that's huge because you think you'd hear about a, the biggest single day subscriber thing. You'd figure that would be a Netflix thing or you'd figure it'd be maybe a Disney Plus thing. But it's kind of crazy to see and and maybe kind of surprising that's taking them so long to look at merging these things. All right, guys, listen. We still need to talk about the Netflix Daredevil series as Bullseye is officially coming over now to the Disney Plus Daredevil Born Again. That, and speaking of Netflix, uh, they're getting ready to raise their prices again and trying to hurdle everybody into going into the ad-supported tier. We're going to talk about that in a whole bunch more, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Manscaped and Factor. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Roses are red, violets are blue, trim your balls, and your date will thank us too. What's up, guys? Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription? The all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the beast you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Campia. Guys, listen, like a lot of you, I used to shave my package like the Neanderthals did using, you know, the clippers on your electric razor, but that's not what you need for excellence on Valentine's Day. So let's talk about the hero of Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This electric trimmer features skin safe technology guarding your Valentine's Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. This package also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and hair trimmer, Manscaped liquid formulations, and two free goodies, the Shed Travel Bag and Boxers 2.0 because comfort is king for all my guys. So elevate your grooming game routine and set the stage for a romantically smooth celebration. So guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA because your grooming upgrade awaits ready to charm your Valentine's dates. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Factor. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery store and prep work because you know what? Sometimes we just don't feel like prepping our own meals. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Forget frantic lunch preps and rushed dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals all delivered right to your door. And Factor now offers loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. It's time to skip the overpriced takeout trap. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. And Factor is flexible. Change your order order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So guys, head to factormeals.com slash campia50 and use the code campia50 to get 50% off. That's code campia50 at factormeals.com slash campia50 to get 50% off. 
And thank you to our friends at Manscaped and Factor for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. All right, guys, with that down, let's go on to this, shall we? Of course, one of the big stories lately has been Daredevil Born Again coming to Disney+, Plus, which was not going to be the same Daredevil from the Netflix series, is now the same Daredevil from the Netflix series, at least for the most part. Now, a lot of stuff has happened. They then decided to go back and kind of reshoot 80% of the series that they were doing. <laughs> we found out that Foggy and Karen are now going to be part of the series. They weren't going to be before. Well, you know, I think somebody asked me on the show the other day, do you think they'll bring over the Bullseye character? And I said, well, it's, it's possible, but they might want to do a new Bullseye or something like that. So maybe not, because not everything is going to be canon. There's going to be some things they bring over and some things they don't. Well, last night, I was doing an episode, a live episode of Open Mic, and right near the end, one of our viewers wrote in and says, oh, there's a report going around on CBR that they are bringing over the, the uh, bullseye. And I said on the show, I said, okay, file that for now, because but we get a lot of these reports that sometimes don't end up be true. Let's see if this gets reported on Hollywood Reporter for ID or Deadline. Well, Deadline <laughs> is now reporting this. They said the following, Daredevil Born Again, Wilson Bethel returns as Bullseye in Marvel series on Disney+. They write the following, Wilson Bethel, who played Benjamin Poindexter slash Bullseye on Netflix's Daredevil, is reprising his role on Disney Plus's upcoming Daredevil Born Again, sources confirmed to Deadline. I hear that he is set to appear in three episodes of the series, which is now filming. A rep for Marvel declined comment. So... Yet another definitive thing that D Disney is now saying, yeah, we're, we're making this thing official. Now, we found out the other day, if you guys watch the show, you remember we were talked about this, that despite the fact that they initially promised that this Daredevil series was going to be 18 episodes, it sounds like it's going to come in, they said, the same length as the Netflix series, and each of the three seasons of Daredevil on Netflix had 13 episodes. Not as many as 18, but still over double what Disney Plus usually does for their television series. Rob, you know, we heard about several characters coming back now. What do you think about the idea for them bringing back the Bullseye character? Good move. And, and what do you think about only being in the, obviously not going to be a key character in three episodes, but what do you think about this? Well, I, I love Bullseye. I'm wondering, does that mean Elektra's coming back at some point too? Maybe. I don't know. But... Yeah, I, I think they're looking at what worked about the Daredevil show, and if it ain't broke, why fix it? And they're kind of going backwards a little bit, but I mean, I think that, you know, while the, dead, the, the, the Daredevil series on Netflix wasn't perfect, it was damn good. You know, and all three seasons were pretty strong, and I think that they're looking at that going, um, why were we trying to change it? What were we trying to do? Like, what was the point of that? <laughs> Clearly, that didn't work. Not in a suit for the first three episodes or whatever, you know. So five episodes, five episodes. Yeah. I think they're. I think that they uh, cooler heads have prevailed. They're going back and looking at what worked, and they're bringing back an antagonist who's a great antagonist for Daredevil. And um, I actually like the portrayal of of Bullseye in the show before, and so I think it's a great move, you know. And um, I'm really excited for this show. I, I hope it's great. I want it to be great. You know what I, when I think of Bullseye, I still love Colin Farrell. Dude, Bullseye. he was great. <laughs> he Colin was Farrell, great by the Bullseye. way, I will die on this hill. I like the, especially the extended version 
of the director's cut of that. I mean, Mark Steven Johnson was a Daredevil fan. I don't like it, how much CG is in that movie. There's too much of that. I mean, and of course, the teeter totter fight scene. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 I even like that. I, ben I like that good. movie a lot. I do too. But, but that one scene, I, I don't know why. It is to me a top 10 funniest scenes in any comic book movie. Colin Farrell's on the airplane and this nattering old lady beside him is really starting to get on his nerves. And he murders her by expertly marksmanship licking a peanut off a thing to go down her throat and choke her to death. It's one of the best things ever. I hope I have, by the way, I'm not announcing this. This is not news. I'm not breaking anything, but man, how great would it be if we're watching daredevil three and all of a sudden Colin Farrell's bullseye pops up in Deadpool three. Oh, I got, I would yeah, love okay. that. Uh, uh, you got Electro. I, so. I, yes, I would. Yeah, you got Jennifer Garner. I, I yeah. would, I would not put it past them that, that we would see bullseye in that movie. I got to see him do the, the, by the way, I haven't heard anything cat. to that effect. Oh, no, now I've heard all just, kinds just of things. Clear, this is Deadpool. just us fanning. That out. is not something I've heard, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, a, a report. Netflix just put out their earnings report, where they added, at least in North America, 13 million new subscribers, which is massive, but kind of understandable. You remember, of course, when Netflix said a couple things: we're introducing an ad-supported tier. And we are getting rid of your account sharing. And if you want to add somebody to your account, you got to pay eight bucks. Yeah, right. So you can add more people to your account, but it's going to cost you eight bucks. And everybody yelled and screamed, this is the death of Netflix. I ain't going to do that. We're just not going to use Netflix anymore. I love that. We're not going to use Netflix for free. Their subscribers (laughs) have just gone up and up and up and up. It's worked. The ad-supported tier has worked. The adding somebody on to your to your account thing has worked. Mm -hmm. Their partnerships with things like T-Mobile has worked. It's added to their subscriber base overall. It's just, they've done a lot of things that have been working. And now 40% of new subscribers signing up are signing up to the ad supported tier. Something a lot of people said they would never do, but here we are, people do it. And, And if you guys remember a few months ago, when Netflix did another price increase, Rob, you and I talked about that we believe ultimately Netflix will keep raising those prices to try to corral a sheep into the ad-supported tier because they actually make more money off of us watching ads at 8 bucks a month than they make off of us at 23 bucks a month not watching ads. Well... It sounds like that's exactly what's happening. The Hollywood Reporter put out this article today on Netflix hints at price increases, plans to retire the basic service, the ad-free tier one, and really lean more into the ad tier growth. They wrote the following. Netflix says it had a second straight quarter of strong growth in its ad-supported tier, through the though the business is still in its infancy. The ad tier has gotten large enough, however, for the company to start retiring its cheapest ad-free option later this year. Now, you guys will remember, they gave us a heads up on that a little while ago, saying I think there was a $12 a month ad-free version. Gone. As I think next month, they're officially retirement, so they're saying they're sticking with that plan. That's going to be gone. If you want the basic ad-free tier, I think you're paying $15.99 or something like that. 
Anyway, um, in its earnings report for the fourth quarter of 2023, the streaming giant said subscribers to the ad tier count for 40% of new signups in countries where ads are offered up, up from 30% of new signups in the third quarter. Netflix also reported ad tier membership growth of about 70% versus Q3, similar to its last report. So in all of this, I think this is just pointing more and more to what we had said before. What the streaming um, paradigm has learned is that this basic paradigm of no commercials, charge subscribers, and then we keep those subscribers and then just keep... That was ultimately not going to be the road to profitability. And they have reverted more and more back into cable models. We're going to have live sports. We're going to have commercials and all that kind of stuff. Because, But this is kind of one of the good things for them, Rob, because we've always talked about this has been the problem with streaming before for somebody like Netflix, right? Is you have 1 million subscribers and you have two shows. One show, all 1 million subscribers watched. Another show, 100,000 watched. They generated the same amount of money. It made no difference. Once somebody's a subscriber to your channel, it doesn't matter if they watched one thing or if they watched a thousand things. As a matter of fact, it's better for you as a streamer if your subscriber only watched one thing. But with ad-supported tiers... Now, having all million people watch a show, that will make Netflix money because they're going to have ads playing with that show. Now, there is value to having a show that has high viewership. And here's where it could be good news for a lot of subscribers. One of the classic complaints that a lot of people have about Netflix is that they kill their popular shows. A show after season two, everybody loved it and they kill it. Why? Because it's not making the money anymore. It's not generating new subscribers. Stranger Things is like one of the very rare exceptions to that, but they would do that. But now, if a show consistently gets high viewership, now that is motivation for Netflix to keep those shows going because those shows will generate ad revenue for them. So I myself like signing up for ad-free experiences, but... I could totally see the win-win here if it costs the consumer half to have the service and the streamer can make more money and shows that people love get rewarded with additional seasons because it's making the streamer money. It sounds counterintuitive to say, Rob, but it might be going back to the old cable way of commercials. This might be the right move for everybody. I don't know. What do you make of all this? I think what you said is exactly Exactly right. I mean, I want these streaming services to thrive because I do like a lot of their original programming. Like, I, I just finished why There are two things I'll admit to this. One, I feel totally guilty for watching the show, but I like it. Love on the Spectrum. Have you ever seen this I've show? Never, I've never even heard of it. it. Elizabeth watches it. It's people that are suffering from autism, and it's a dating show. It's that an sounds autistic. delightful to me, actually. It is. I just feel guilty watching it. But then... That Netflix made a deal to adapt all of Harlan Coben's books into these like 10 part miniseries. Some of them are better than others, but I watch all of those, you know, and I think that getting more subscribers, that's the only way that Netflix is making money. They're a subscriber only concern. You know, they're not making films. They don't want to push theatrical. They don't want to do anything. But so anything that Netflix can do 
to keep their subscriber base happy and and to create more subscribers is is a good thing if you like their service. I quite enjoy Netflix. You know, they've, they've got a lot of really interesting shows. They have a lot of really interesting, it looked like, Korean shows, Asian shows that are dropping on January 30th, 31st, and February 1st. Really new, interesting stuff that I don't think I'd ever see otherwise. So I think what they're doing now is they're serving them the their, their service through these different changes in a basic service and then adding more to the ad tiers. If it's working, then they should do just that because that's how they make money. They're not making money making $220 million movies like The Gray Man. That's oh not, yeah, no, they lost a lot of money on that. Yeah, I, I mean, why you're going to make a 200 million dollar movie on a streaming service when your Jennifer Lopez movie that was 40 million gets a lot more viewers? It's a tough one. So I think this trend is just going to continue. Where I think they are going to continue, as the Hollywood Reporter article pointed out. These, if you are like me and you like the ad free tier. Netflix is just going to keep putting the vices to us. They're just going to keep raising the prices on that and raising the prices, trying to corral us into taking the ad-supported tier. And at some point, we're going to do it. And then once everybody's on the ad-supported tier, they're going to start upping the cost of the ad-supported tier. But for now, the ad-supported tier is like eight bucks. You got to watch commercials, but it's eight bucks. So it's about half the price now of, of an ad-free thing. And uh, they're probably going to make a lot more money on it. So we'll, we'll see. I, I hope... They keep the ad-supported one in check because at least in the old model of television, you could have your rabbit ears on and watch TV for free. You were paying for it by watching commercials. Something feels wrong about paying for the service and having to watch commercials at the same time. Like, yeah. show me commercials? That's cool because I'm getting it for free, so show me commercials. Or I pay you? For it, I pay for a subscription service. Don't show me commercials. But now you're getting us with both? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's more complicated than that. I'm oversimplifying it, I know. But what do you guys think about this? Uh, maybe you're one of those 40% that's already signed up for the ad-supported tier. Maybe you're like, nah, I'm an ad-free guy, and I'm going to pay whatever they charge me for it. Or somewhere in the middle. Whatever you guys think, jump into the comments and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're now going to get on to the most important part of our show, which is hearing from you. What are your thoughts, theories, opinions, and observations? Go ahead and use the Super Chat feature to send those in, and we're going to get to those in just a second. But before we do, we're going to take a quick moment and thank another sponsor of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, my mobile service provider, and they absolutely should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. I've told you guys many times that after switching to Mint Mobile, I am spending less than a third on my cell bill than I used to with a major carrier. Say goodbye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All Mint plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And don't worry about having to change phones or numbers. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash 
Campia. That's mintmobile.com slash Campia. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Campia. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys, that down. Let's get on to our real business here, which is hearing from you guys. Jonathan, what we got up first? All right, well, we got uh, we got Gray Fox here. Uh, now that Deadpool 3 has wrapped, uh, when do you think we'll get a teaser? First trailer would be Super Bowl. I, I, I think that the timing is just too perfect. I think, you know, Rob suggested before that because of the importance that we all believe that this movie has, they are going to go full to the mattresses. For, for those of you who are Godfather fans, they're going to go full to the mattresses on this. Um, and I think our first big thing will be because at February, you're talking March, April, May, June, July. That's five months. Pardon me. That's five months out from the movie. That's that's getting into the acceptable time frame of when you drop your first yeah. thing. So I think it'll be Super Bowl, and then hopefully in April they show us the movie at CinemaCon. I, when do you think they're going to show us this trailer? I think Super Bowl is probably a good bet. I, I mean, if the Kansas City Chiefs get into the Super Bowl, I I could see some cross promotion there. You might see Taylor Swift in a, not that she's even oh, in the movie. Oh, that's a very good point. But Deadpool going and doing something like being at the game, going into the, in, because they're always hanging out anyway. Can you imagine Deadpool is in, oh, yeah. in the Kansas I City Chiefs? I guarantee booth? you that if the Kansas City Chiefs get to the Super Bowl, and they won't, by the I way. Know. But if they do, by some miracle, get past the Baltimore Ravens, which they won't, obviously Taylor Swift will be there. And I 100% guarantee you that you're right. Ryan Reynolds will not only be there, he will be there in Deadpool uniform. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah, no doubt. Or, right. or he could be there and talk to himself as Deadpool. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a the, lot of options. A lot thing of things is, could happen here. Yeah, the thing is, too, is they don't have to have a finished finished trailer. No. What you could What you could do is have a, uh, a Super Bowl commercial come up, but also... An, Deadpool is crashing the commercial. Right. <laughs> and then says some witty things. So that's cheap enough to make. Well, you know, I'm saying relatively. And then show flashes of the movie. Boom, do you boom, remember? Boom, boom, boom. Now, Jonathan, you weren't there with us. Mm -hmm. But do you remember at CinemaCon this past back in April, Jack Black came out on stage and they're like, okay, we don't have a trailer for Kung Fu Panda 3. So let me tell you about it. And he acts it all out. I could totally see. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds doing that too. I mean, they could even cut to a live, they could make it a commercial, but it could be even a live broadcast from the booth wherever they're at you know the, the and just do something lot i mean there's so many things and you have hugh jackman in oh yeah too. of course oh my sure. god i mean it'd be whatever it's good look i think the marketing for this movie we've seen it before the marketing that that ryan reynolds participated in for both deadpool movies was out of control it was the best marketing ever i only imagine that he's gonna this is gonna go to 11 as and, Top would say and really wants to go to the super bowl this year because it's in vegas and really wants to go. And I keep going, honey, how's this for a reversal of roles of a traditional marriage? My wife is the one trying to convince me that we should go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, I don't know, honey, that's kind of expensive. <laughs> Maybe so she's like, just keep her eyes on it. See if some, some tickets pop up for like in the nosebleeds for a reasonable price. I'm like, okay, usually it's the, it's the husband trying to talk the wife and the idea of going, but Anne's trying to talk me into going to the Super Bowl. You married the right lady, sir. I, I, I married well. I did marry well. All right, what's next? All right, we got James Wheeler who, with the twenty dollars super chat. Says hello, everyone. Thank have, you, James. Mm -hmm, have you have any of you seen 
a uh, murder at the end of the world, a miniseries on Hulu. It has Clive Owen, and it's excellent. Murder no. at the end of the world. I'm not. It's it's Britt Marling and um, her partner that make those movies. What's together. the basic conceit of it? Do you know? Uh, there's a murder in the world's ending. No, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think it's like a, a murder in the Arctic. Because it kind of sounds like a sequel to that James Franco um, comedy. What was it? World's this is end? the end. Oh, this is the end. That's right. That movie is hilarious. That movie is fucking insanely it's good. Hilarious. Remember, <laughs> the, I still always remember when Emma Watson shows up in some. Oh, that movie's so good. All right, what's next? Uh, we got Raymond Verrata who says Ryan Gosling has said he was disappointed that Greta and Margot didn't get Oscar noms. Is there a system to please everybody? Is your arch enemy, the Golden Globes, laughing at your superior intellect, Con? You know what's so funny? Ryan Reynolds, or Ryan Gosling, another good Canadian kid, um, he puts out this perfect statement, right? He puts out the statement says, I'm thrilled and honored to be nominated with these incredible people. I, however, am very disappointed for Greta and Margot. They, they made this movie happen and blah, 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 right? It was a perfect statement. He said, I'm disappointed, they, I'm disappointed for them. I'm disappointed they didn't get it, right? And then some of the outlets run these headlines. Ryan Gosling calls out Oscars for not, but it's like, that's not what, he just said, I'm disappointed they didn't get nominated. Listen, I get it. <clears throat> it's a surprise to a lot of people. But with all the incredible work that Greta Gerwig did to bring Barbie to the screen and the incredible work that Margot Robbie did bringing her character to life, there are five nominees who did that too. And I, I mean, I know it's not the popular thing to say, and I really like the Barbie. Everybody knows I really, I've talked about it many times on the show. I really love the Barbie movie. But when I look at the list of the, the directors nominated for best director, there ain't one I would bump off the list for Greta Gerwig for, for this particular movie. Greta Gerwig is a multi-Oscar nominated thing. Her screenplay, absolutely she'd be nominated. And she is nominated for best screenplay at the Oscars this year. 100%, she's great. But there are 10 films nominated for Best Picture and only five spots for directors to be nominated. And she wasn't one of them. It's as simple as that. There's nothing more to it. Margot Robbie was wonderful in Barbie. But I don't even think it was Margot Robbie's best performance. No. I, Tanya, I still think is her, which she was nominated for, mm -hmm. for Best Actress in that. And when I look at the list of the, the actresses nominated, I, there's nobody I would take off. To have her there, so I don't. I think really, it's much ado about nothing. I, I, John, I agree with you because the Barbie movie is still, in a way, considered. It's kind of a gimmick, you know. Whereas I Tanya is based on a real event, real person. Whereas Barbie, it's much more stylized. I don't, look how long it took for a fantasy epic to win the Academy Award for Best Picture, Return of the King. How many movies before that were not taken ser seriously? You can't can't ask the Academy to look at a movie like Barbie and and put it take it seriously when it's compared to something like Killers of the Flower Moon. You know, you can't, one doesn't fit really with the other. And it's not to say that Barbie, I really like Barbie too. I was actually, I've watched it a couple times. I bought the disc and uh, I think it's a terrific film. Is it an Oscar winning movie though? Yeah, look, I have no qualms that it's nominated for Best Picture. For me, I could see it in a top 10. But, you know, if I, I listen, Neither of them were ever going to win, right? I mean, this Christopher Nolan's going to win Best Director. Yeah. 
Emma Stone is going to win Best Actress. So, I mean, you know, uh, it is what it is. All right, let's keep going on here. What's next? It won one and a half billion dollars. That's what it won. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's what the money's for. <laughs> yeah, they made a lot of money. Uh, Ian McAllister says, "With Stranger Things ending, I'm thinking Avatar is going to be, be uh, Netflix's newest flagship show uh, until the live action Pokemon show." I, you know what? I keep trying to tell people, and every time something comes out that nobody believes me, but it keeps turning out to be the same thing. People don't. People in North America don't care about watching Pokemon stuff. John, Pokemon is the number one most. Doesn't matter. You said that just like anime. <laughs> That's exactly how the. Because <laughs> look what happened when they put out Detective Pikachu. I had so many people before that movie came out screaming at me, John, you're an idiot if you don't know that this movie's going to make a billion dollars. I'm like, it ain't going to make a billion dollars. It ain't going to get anywhere close to that. And it didn't. I And by the way, I for one like that movie uh, very much. Um, can Avatar, The Last Airbender, be the new flagship series? Here's the thing. It's not as popular as fans of the series think it is. All right? And this is true of most fandoms. Most fandoms think the object of their fandom is more popular than they think it is. Unless you're a Marvel fan or unless you're a Star Wars fan, nine times out of ten, this is not true. Like, I love Supernatural. So people say to me, well, John, why do you think you should make a movie? Because I know it's not as popular as I think it is. <laughs> Or as I think it should be. It's just not. And we'll have to see how good Avatar The Last Airbender is. I think the trailer looks spectacular. I did too. I can't wait to watch this. But will other people? Is it actually good or does it just look good? So we'll have to see. There's also another thing. I mean, Avatar The Last Airbender is a franchise that has already existed in film form and, of course, the original animated form. And this is another iteration of that, whereas Stranger Things is an original. It was original. It doesn't, it is what it is. It's yeah. not a continuation of something that already exists. And the thing about Stranger Things was it created its fan base, which, by the way, was a really a four quadrant fan base adults, kids, everybody liked that show. Everybody tuned in to watch it because it had normal you know, high school age kids, and it had 80s nostalgia with Renona Ryder and all that. So it appealed to the kind of an audience that I don't necessarily think The Last Airbender is going to have access to. Um, I'm going to watch it, but we'll see. I can't wait to watch it. It looks incredible. I was already intrigued with this show until yesterday's trailer came out. And yep. then yesterday's trailer came out, I'm like, I'm on board, man. Yeah, like, I can't you wait know, to watch like this. Percy Jackson. I mean, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but. You know, I was surprised by how good I thought Percy Jackson was. And we'd seen other iterations of that in live action before. Yeah. And this looks, this it looks like they nailed it. Have you seen the newest episode of Percy Jackson? No, not the newest one. Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, I am so charmed by this show. I, not not a top five show of the year for me, but I'm really enjoying it. It's Percy funny because I added that to my repertoire. You know, now, now that Reacher's d done and Monarch is done and For All Mankind is done. Now I gotta. I keep forgetting. I gotta put that back on my. We got a bunch of, of shows coming out in February. Too. I know. All right. What's next? Gone with the Cheddar writes. Uh, just a reminder that before Marvel and DC made the multiverse popular, Community did it first. The darkest timeline, six seasons in <laughs> a movie. Well, uh, not not really, but um, uh, it was a really nice moment at the Emmys when who's the main guy again from Community? What's his name again? He's got that animal. Joel control. McHale. What's that? Joel McHale. Joel McHale. 
and Ken Jong were on stage presenting something, and it was a really nice moment because then they cut to um, uh, why am I suddenly freezing on on his name? The main, guy, the the most popular guy to come out of community, uh, Nick uh, Offerman, no, um, Glover, Glo- Don, Glo- thank Donald you, Glover, yeah, yeah, uh, in the audience, and it was like just a really nice moment. It was good to see. All right, what's next? All right, we got Bills HQ says, game results aside, please don't talk about the game. (laughs) Bills versus Chiefs pulled in 56 million viewers on average. NFL dominates TV viewership in America. It's not even close. It's not even close. Whatever you think is popular on TV is dwarfed by the NFL on TV. Yeah. uh, It is kind of crazy. And it is too bad. The Buffalo Bills should be going to the next round. They, They outplayed the Chiefs, but wow. Field goal wide to the right. It is a phrase that will haunt Buffalo Bills fans for multiple generations now. The generation before and now this generation. All right, what's next? We got Dante Zarekia who writes, uh, Hey crew, it's been a minute and I just wanted to say thank you. Have any uh, or have any of you started watching True Detective Night Country? Night Country? Uh, it's fantastic so far. We were just talking about this the other day. I have not, but I've heard great things. I need. I'm going to start watching. You've started I'm watching. I'm really right? enjoying it. It's really intriguing. the uh, The last episode sets up a lot of really. It's crazy. You know, it's it's. I really liked it a lot. And of course, I've always loved Jodie Foster, and she's great in it too. She is a well. I mean, she's a world class actress. Oh yeah, she's so good. All right, what's next? Shamrock Vibe says, uh, watch the Six Nations documentary on Netflix, and I forgot one of the English players is from the Philippines. Ray, I support Ireland. It's easy to forget. I have no idea what we're talking about. That's great. Six Nations documentary. I've, I've never heard of it. I, I don't know what that is I'll either. Check it out. You but I would assume document? it's about soccer. Yeah, maybe. Football yeah, rugby. Sounds like nice rugby, yeah. I started watching that American Nightmare documentary. Dude. And I just couldn't. I have, I have to save... One episode a night. It's it's too much. I think it, it's just it's just. Oh. It's, but yeah, I'm gonna check this out. He says there's a Filipino player now in the Ireland. In uh, I have no idea. I don't think I don't what, know what, what he was saying. To be honest with you, I don't know if he's saying he, there's a Filipino player rugby. on Team Ireland yeah. or Gray Fox says rugby. It's okay. rugby. It's yeah. rugby. I don't okay. imagine a lot of Filipino guys being big enough to play rugby. I'm about well. Come on. I mean, I, I just think of these like big <laughs> monstrous guys. All right, what's next? We got uh, Justin D who says, is Kathleen Kennedy here to stay? I thought she was out. Now, listen, we talked about this near the end of the year. I said, we, I did an episode where I'm like, I got told she was done. And that by the end of the year, by the not 2024, 2023, that by the end of the year, somewhere in between the, the, the finish of the theatrical run of Indiana Jones and the end of the calendar year, Kathleen Kennedy would be out. And I never heard anything to the contrary. She's still there. Still there. Still there. I don't think she should be. Um, And I say this with all due respect. I have a massive amount of respect for her career. Again, I got to remind everybody, Steven Spielberg, the greatest filmmaker of all time, says she is the best producer of all time. But there's a difference between being a producer and being the head of a studio. And while I was all for her hiring, when George Lucas handpicked her, on paper, she was the right choice. But sometimes you can make the right choice and it just doesn't work out. The key is when you realize that it's not working out, move on. And I, I, I mean, I've said this now for years. It would be best for Kathleen Kennedy herself 
to move on and get back to what she's best at. And it would be right for Lucasfilm to move on and get somebody else to be the head of their studio. Somebody with better business acumen, somebody with better interpersonal relationship skills, somebody with better evaluation skills, um, and and long-term logistical planning skills. Nunchuck skills. Um, And listen, you know, I am no Kathleen Kennedy hater. I'm not. I can respect what she has done and still say she has not done a good job in this particular role that she has, and she needs to move on. So what will happen, we'll have to finally see. All right, what's next? All right, we got Will Lambert, or Lambert. Uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was my last true midnight movie. What was yours? What was the last, like? Because today we live in a more sane world where instead of Thursday at midnight, they come out at Thursday at 6 o'clock now. There's no... Real such mine thing as- was uh, it there could have been one after, but mine I think was the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I went to like a a, a crew friends friends and fran- family like pre screening at El Capitan. Hmm. Man, we came out of there. It was like two in the morning, and we were just like buzzing. Yeah, I can't. I remember being at the midnight screenings for the first Avengers film because I was with the uh, um, AMC at the time, and I had Clark Gregg. Agent Coulson was there with me and I did this thing with him all night where we went into all the different theaters and surprised the audience with ladies and gentlemen here to say hi to you is Agent Coulson myself, Clark Gregg and Clark Gregg would come out and throw t-shirts at people. It was like one of my favorite nights of my career. Clark Gregg is awesome. He's so awesome. I got to spend the whole night there with him. He was great. One of my favorite nights, but I don't know if I did one after that. it was such an era. I know after that, remember when episode seven came out and they were doing screenings at like five in the morning? Well, that's how I saw it. The last the thing I went to was Age of Ultron and they had it at the Cinerama Dome and they were playing it all night long. But yeah. was and the I, first screening at midnight? Yeah, or was it the just, first screen okay. was at midnight, but I couldn't get to it until three in the morning. Yeah, so I, remember, I went and saw three I in saw the morning I saw episode screening. seven like Schnepp, Schnepp was like, dude, just go see one of those early ones and then come to work. And that's what I did. Five in the morning, went over to Arclight Hollywood and then went into <laughs> to work. Collide with this yep. later that day. All right, what's next? Um, we got uh, Paul Dean who says, uh, I think Will Smith should be king in the MCU. The movie <laughs> would slap the box office. Get uh, it? Okay, I'll leave. But I'm bum. What's up, Uncle Phil? I mean, Tony? Okay, what's next? Uh, we got Jay Loco who says, Wade stares at the fallen, ruined 20th Century Fox logo, so I'm never going to dance again. And uh, the way, the the way little, I dance oh, with so you. So I'm never going to dance again. Yeah. The, the way, way I dance I with, you. with you. Wham. Wham. I still love the way he said that. All right. <laughs> you know, whatever happened to the other guy in Wham? Andrew Ridgely. Whatever happened to him? He put out a, a solo album with a great yeah. uh, song called Shake. Was it called The Other Guy? No. It was called the other yeah, guy. Genre first time. I, 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 uh, that's great. No, like I think that. he released it under his own name. He yeah, was interviewed one. that Wham documentary. That was a good documentary yeah. from last year. Yeah. All right, so he got next? interviewed. All right, Sam Fisher <laughs> says, "Have you ever been to the Shakespeare Festival in Oregon? I was uh, in a production of Throne of Blood there before uh, I saw the movie. Love it. I've never been in Oregon. Oregon's what? awesome. Let alone been to the. Do do I need to remind you I am Canadian? Not even the trail, it's true, dude. But I'll tell you. I've you never even been to... on the Oregon Trail. Oh I did play the Oregon Trail. Everyone's though. been on the Oregon Trail. Look, I'm just gonna say if you do go to Oregon and you find yourself in Cannon Beach, which I recommend going to because it's beautiful, you have to go to Bruce's Candy Kitchen and buy me cinnamon saltwater taffy. I don't want any other flavor, just cinnamon. 
Oh, the greatest Earth saltwater Earth. taffy on planet Earth. Is it Cannon Beach uh, where they shot uh, the Goonies? Like, isn't that the, the yeah? Spot, well, yeah, the, the Goonies. Yes, Astoria, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they, that's funny. Yeah. All right, what's next? Kindergarten Cop. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. We did Sam Fisher. I'm gonna move up here. Seconds from Disaster says, "Good day, Campy and friends. Since I uh, live action one, or since live action One Piece was so well received." Uh, if the new release of Avatar is just as good or better, do you think we could see a more accurate Dragon Ball movie? That's tough because... Ray's winding up. They, they've they <laughs> taken a couple of swings at that. Yeah. Um, again, this is another thing where a fandom thinks their thing is more popular with other people than it is. Uh, they, they did a Dragon Ball movie. And, and here's the thing. Everybody will say, but that movie sucked. True. But nobody knew that till they went to go see it. And ain't nobody went to go see it. Check it. What was the opening weekend? I think it was like $20 million or something. I don't even think there was opening weekends back then. There, there, there were opening weekends back then. <laughs> they were a thing. They were not a new creation. Before I look this up, I just got to say, there's you have to, you know, three strikes and you're out. There's no three strikes yet. They, they've only tried once, right? This Dragon Ball Evolution. 55 million, baby. Okay, 55. Oh, so, like, but again, there are people who are swearing that a Dragon Ball movie would be, like, break all the box office records, right? I I don't know. Now, you can say that, you know, uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly. Is that what it's called, right? Oh, Dragon Ball Super Super. Super Remember, Super? Super Super. Was it Super Super? Whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know. It super fantastic super. number one seafood in all of Los Angeles. Whatever it was called. But that movie was good. Man. That's a brother, that's a brother's son movie uh, reference in case you guys haven't watched Brother's Son. By the way, if you haven't watched Brother's Son on Netflix, it's really oh! good. Oh, no, watch no, no. Brother's Son. It's so good. It's superhero. Dragon Ball Super Super. I thought it was called Super Broly or something. Oh, yeah, that's the one before it, I believe. Oh, okay. So But it did it got really it got a theatrical release. And not much of a marketing campaign, Ooh. and I think it did respectably. It made more than the live action, eighty six million. I mean, wait, so eighty six opening weekend or eighty six in total? Oh, opening weekend was twenty one. Wait, wait, what was the Dragon Ball? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I looked up the final for the Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, that wasn't opening weekend. That opening was total... weekend was four million for Dragon Ball. Oh, okay, see, no, you made okay, fifty five million in total. Made four million opening. Yeah, yeah, weekend. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, four four million. I thought you said you made 55 million 55 opening million million more than I remember. Total for Dragon Ball Evolution. And then for the, the actual, the last Dragon Ball thing in the theater, Superhero, that made 21 million opening, 86 million total. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just good. think Avatar The Last Airbender is more North American audience friendly, I think, than Dragon Ball would be. Uh, but I ain't gonna lie. If they made a live action Dragon Ball, I go check it out. Maybe a series. I, Maybe a series. That's that'd be really expensive. Oh, Netflix seems to be not caring about it. Netflix seems to be caring a lot more t these oh, days about how much oh. they spend on a series and stuff like that. Oh, oh all right. What's next? M. Jada says, "Daredevil, same again." <laughs> same. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Daredevil, yeah. same, same again. again. <laughs> I still want to know how they're going to explain. Now that they're saying this is the Netflix series Daredevil, when it wasn't going to be before, how are they going to explain Hawaiian shirt-wearing, tracksuit mafia founding Kingpin? Are they just going to pretend that didn't happen and get right back to Kingpin that he we had from the Netflix series? Bro. He was just going through a phase. Bro. Because yeah. remember, Hawkeye 
in that gave that dialogue where he's talking about the rise of this figure of the kingpin, and it was not the same as the rise of the kingpin that no. we knew from the Netflix series. So it's like, I wonder how they're gonna rectify that. None of us have ever been snapped. Who knows what goes through your brain? You know, we're talking uh, about what actually happened. Oh, okay, bro. 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 I still you know what? As Bro. much as I didn't like the Hawkeye series, I still like the tracksuit mafia. I don't know why. I just do. All right, what's next? Ramon says, now that Daredevil's canon, uh, does the restrictions of IOTSI and the SAG after apply automatically to the show? Can it still be considered a new show? It can still be considered hundred percent a new show. That's why they're calling it Born Again. Daredevil Born Again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gonna be different enough. Uh so yeah, they're they're still gonna get away with that. hundred percent they are. All right, what's that? Good question, though. All right, what's next? All right, um, Roberto Hardy says, "Hey everyone, uh, the Star or with Star Wars now becoming a failing franchise, and clearly they don't know what movies or movies they want to make first. Do you think it might be time for Mister Iger to pull the plug on Kathleen Kennedy?" Uh, Twenty dollars super chat. Let's examine that for a second, shall we? First of all, I've already answered the question that I think I've been saying for years. With all due respect, Kathleen Kennedy needs to go. I've been saying that for years. That said, let's not change facts. Star Wars is a failing franchise. I just watched the Emmy Awards. You know what got nominated for the top award, best dramatic series of the year? Mm. Star Wars show. Best drama series of the year. The last Star Wars movie to go into theaters? Yeah, yeah. Made over a billion dollars. Last movie in theaters made a billion dollars. Show that it was out last year, nominated for the top award in the entire television medium. There, I think what we as fans need to be able to do is to have good, intelligent conversations about why, like, I believe Kathleen Kennedy needs to go. Yes, but let's talk about it within the realm of reality. The reality is while I may think a lot of Star Wars stuff's quality has, I mean, I thought the last or the uh, the Rise of Skywalker was just abysmal. I didn't like the Obi-Wan series. I didn't think Ahsoka was very good. Season three of Mandalorian was kind of shaky. Okay, yeah, we can talk about all those things, but let's not change reality when having these conversations. The reality is that in the midst of all those negative things that I just mentioned, They've also kicked some ass on television with Mandalorian Season 1, Mandalorian Season 2. Obviously, Andor just nominated for Best Series at the Emmys. The la it's been years since they put out something theatrically, but the last time they did, it made a billion dollars. Can't say that about Marvel, that the last thing they put out in theaters did not make a billion dollars. It's been a beat since that happened. It's wild. It'll be five years uh, this the, the holiday season for 2024. Since, since the Rise of Five years. Yeah. Yeah. I, and now, granted, a few things happened in there, too. Sure. A little global pandemic. Yeah. A little writer's strike. Uh, yes. But it's still five years, right? So do I think it's time for Kathleen Kennedy to go? Again, I've been saying that since 2019. But again, let's not pretend like Star Wars is a failing franchise. It's got its struggles. It's got its obstacles. And it's got its problems but it's also just nominated for the top award in the world. And it's the last film put in theaters made a billion dollars. So yep. yeah, it's just, just something to keep in mind. Just something to keep in mind. That's all. 
All right. What's next? We got Dominic Suma who says, someone tried to argue that the Fast and Furious IP was more valuable to Universal than Jurassic. Not even close. The value of FNF is much more tied to its cast than Jurassic Park, which is not a good thing in my opinion. I Listen, it's a good subjective argument to have if you prefer Fast and the Furious to say Jurassic. Absolutely. But numbers are not interpretable. Right? The last Jurassic Park movie made over a billion dollars and cost a hell of a lot less than the last Fast and Furious movie. Um, so, no, I, 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 I don't agree. Now, uh, granted, I'm not sitting here with a spreadsheet in front of me with a total financial breakdown, okay? full. So I, I might have to examine this and go back once I've learned a few things and changed my mind. But on the surface, I don't know how you say, one, that the Fast and the Furious is more... Uh, valuable to them, especially with Fast and the Furious being on an absolute financial decline. Every movie, the last number of movies, their box office has gone down and down and down and down. Whereas the last Jurassic Park movie made over a billion dollars. So at a much smaller price tag. So Rob, I, I don't know how you say Fast and Furious is more valuable to them than Jurassic. Is. I mean, I think you could say because there's more movies. Sure. You know, but I don't necessarily think as a franchise it's more valuable or less valuable. Or I, I think it's they're both equally robust franchises. But also the value is about what value in, implies today. Yes. Today. Not seven years ago or ten years ago when Fast Five came out. I, I, today, I don't know how you make an argument that the Fast and Furious franchise is more valuable. I would than say Jurassic. also there's something that you need to consider. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World is not contingent upon its cast to be successful. Right. Yeah. Whereas the Fast and Furious franchise pretty much is the cast. Whereas you make dinosaur movies. Look, I, I just maintain that the only problem with the Jurassic Park franchise for me is that not enough human beings get eaten. You make more human beings get eaten, the value of the movies goes up. Just have more people get eaten. I like watching people eaten by dinosaurs. I think most people do. There's always an audience for it. All right, what's next? We got Callum who says, Hey, crew, I just finished Sons of Anarchy for the first time and thought it was one of the best shows I've ever seen, but I noticed it never was nominated at the Emmys for Best Drama. Is there a reason why it was never nominated? Getting these nominations is tough. It's a subjective thing. So, uh, by the way, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I'm going to just assume that you're right about that. I don't know, but... Yeah, it's one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. Top top three. Probably, you know what, top two. Top two favorite shows of all time for me. Um, Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica is my all-time favorite show. I think Sons of Anarchy might be my second favorite show ever made. I, I absolutely love it. Can't wait. Wow. All right, what's next? We got Jay Superboy. Hey, guys, re-watching old clips and was wondering if Ray still believes a strong flow impresses the girlfriend's parents. <laughs> LOL, keep it filthy. I don't even know if Ray remembers what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we were talking about, Flow. you know, hearing. Yep. Hearing pee. Bathroom sounds. And I say, the stronger, the better. The stronger the flow, don't the be manlier ashamed. the man. Don't be, yeah, don't be ashamed of human things that you have to do as a human, you know? If it sounds, it sounds. <clears throat> if it's, you know. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to admit something right here. If there's no flow, you got to oh, go. No. I'm going to admit something. That's really embarrassing to me. I okay, go. Cool. You ever okay? And this is like an unto. Do you remember watching? Um, um, why am I freezing on the name of the movie? With uh, not idiot, Dumb and Dumber. Thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say that. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. They're riding on the motorcycle, 
the scooter <laughs> through the freezing thing. And the one guy's his hands are frozen off. And Jim Carrey takes off a second pair of gloves. And he's like, you've had a second pair of gloves this whole time? It's like, oh, yeah, it's cold out here. Like, right? Oh, yeah. I had one of the, I still remember when we had that discussion. Okay. I, this is me being vulnerable to you guys. Oh, I'm exposing vulnerable. my embarrassment oh, here. Oh, here we go. So, one of the things I mentioned, what brought up this whole conversation, it was a story about how when I was younger and I'd be dating a girl, if I'd be at the girl's house and her family's there and I need to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't want them to hear me pissing, right? So what I would do, oh God, I, this is so stupid. I would get down on my knees in front of the toilet to make sure, you know, take Mr. Biggie, lop it over the side of the bowl and make sure I pointed it to the to the waterless part of the bowl so it would silently stream and go down. Knees would get very sore. But so it would si- so I'd get down me so I didn't want, you know, my the girl I was dating's parents to hear me pissing in their bathroom, right? They knew what you were doing in there though. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they, they did. on the shower. Yep. Might as well turn it on the shower. But I like to operate silent. Or piss in the shower. So <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing though. One of the people in the comment section, a little bit later, as I was reading the comments of that day's show, said, just curious, why didn't you just sit on the bowl like you were going to poop and just aim that way I instead just of getting the on the, the knees? And I, that to me, I was like, fuck, why didn't I do that? That is way smarter. So yeah, I was, I was needlessly... For years, getting down on the bathroom floor <laughs> on my knees so I could pee out there. Then just one guy in the comments said, why didn't you just sit on the bowl and oh, do yeah. it that way? Yeah, why don't you just pee on the You lawn? had an extra pair of gloves this whole time. So I felt really stupid. This clip is going <laughs> to be really taken stupid. out and mercilessly mocked <laughs> forever on oh, the yeah. internet. And I deserve it. I, I felt so stupid. For years, I did it the <laughs> wrong way. If it's a bad date, just miss. I just missed. <laughs> I just missed. That oh, no, that's a dominance day. thing. That's how you dominate, like, over I'm the family. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> this is some quality movie TV news conversation. <laughs> All right. For piss. What's piss next? Advice. Um, Johnny says, uh, just saw Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse in theaters nice. again. Such amazing film. Uh, love it every time I watch. Sucks that it was not the original unedited film when it first came out. Oh, was he just talking about like the sound at the beginning where you couldn't hear or the dialogue? Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Or was yeah, there were there clips that were added? I'll tell you what, I, I still I still think it was the best film of the year. I, I honestly do. And I, I think it's just been as the history of the Oscars has done, the Oscars created the best animated category back in 2001 as a cop-out. They simply did. They created to this day. They did not create the best animated category to honor animation. They created that category as a cop-out so they wouldn't have to nominate animated films for best picture. There's a reason in the history of film, despite the fact there have been 12 years when the top critically rated movies of the year have been animated films. Only three times has an animated film been nominated for best picture. Sorry. Only three. Three times. (laughs) Three times. Only three times. (laughs) Um, um, and so they just shuffle it off to the kitty table known as the best animated category because they don't want to honor it. And I, I listen, I'm not saying Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse should have won best picture. I would have liked it if it did, but 
it should have been nominated in those top 10. It should have been nominated. But the Oscars won again, once again, just with their cop-out category that they created. Just, uh, anyway. Eh, it is what it is. All right, what's next? Uh, CJ Rebirth says, what did you guys think of the movie Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal and Rachel McAdams? Haven't seen it in a while. I know I absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite fighting movies. I actually saw the short film version of that. It was called uh, The Trailer. The Trailer. Yeah. The tra literally, that trailer gave the whole, was the whole movie. Yeah. Step by step, it was the entire film. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not love Southpaw. I didn't love it. But yeah, that, that go back and watch the trailer. If you have seen the movie, go and watch the trailer and you have, or you are like act by act seeing the whole progression of the entire film. It's really kind of crazy. What did you think about that? Do you remember it? I, I like the movie quite a bit, but yeah, I remember thinking that about the trailer. I mean, Gyllenhaal was so good in that film. Oh I mean, yeah. The performance and the, great. the amount of, you know, people forget when you think about these actors, but his physique in that film, like Gyllenhaal just... He got he, ripped. He's he, a monster. And he looks even better for this Roadhouse movie. Oh, my God. You, I, you know what? I got to say. I got to say. Roundhouse. <laughs> what did I say? No, I said Roundhouse. I remember I put it on yeah, the, we, the oh, thumbnail. By accident, yeah. I said Roundhouse. I mean, yeah. I was never even a big fan of the original. Was it Rowdy Harrington directed it? The original Roadhouse. But I know it's a beloved film for people. But I got to say, I kind of want to see this new Roadhouse with Gyllenhaal in it. I think it's going to be good. I'm I'm looking for it. I think it's going to be good. I fun. think it's going to be good. Do you remember before this Gyllenhaal, they spent about two years putting together a Ronda Rousey oh, starring yeah. Roadhouse? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, always a mistake. <laughs> you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those performers where I don't think, I mean, he was in like Enemy. You know, he was in um, uh, Nightcrawlers, which is an incredible performance. He's just, and I recently watched October Sky again, where he's a young Jake mm, yep. Gyllenhaal, and what a delightful movie. He's a great, he is he's one of the best this, actors in the world. He really is. He's yeah. an unsung actor, but he's never not given 100%. All right, let's do a couple more here. What's next? Okay. Spencer Smother says, with the three body problem coming out and books like Project Artemis being brought up recently, a book series I have uh, to recommend is the Winter World series by AJ or A.G. Riddle, I think this would be a great book series to adapt into a TV series. Perfect for Netflix. Three books, three seasons. Are you familiar? I've, never I, heard, of I've heard of the series. I I do not, I've not read it, but he's not the first person to say that. Um, I, I It makes me want to go, whenever people recommend books, I always, I always take it seriously because it's probably good, especially right. when he brought up Three Body Problem. I can't wait for Three Body Problem. I mean, I don't know if it's going to, for those of you who are interested, it's the new series from Weiss and Benioff, Benioff with yeah. Game of Thrones. There is a Chinese version of that series that's on uh, the, the Tencent YouTube channel that you can watch, which is really interesting, but I can't wait to see it. I, and I can't wait for this Artemis. Um, I believe it was Andy Weir, right? Artemis? And then there's Project Hail Mary. Yeah, Project Hail Mary, his third book, yeah. is one of the great books of our, I've read in... It's yeah. so good. I'm still reading that. And uh, Gosling's supposed to be in the movie version of it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's so good. Anything from him, because he made, he wrote The Martian. All right, last question of the day. What's next? Okay, we got uh, Boris. Uh, I'm just going to say Boris. Uh, hey, John, I'm skeptical about the potential quality of the live-action uh, Avatar series. This franchise means so much to me, and with a the supposed theatrical animated release by Paramount next year, could a bad show lower its already challenging chances at the box office? Thanks. Yes, if the show's bad. 
But I have I've heard no legitimate reason to doubt that this will be good. I mean, it, it may end up being bad. It might. It very well could. But other than the fact of people saying, well, the original guys who did the animated show aren't part of this. That to me doesn't suggest that the show won't be good. Listen, Netflix's Netflix has a bad track record in making original movies, but they have a stellar track record of making great television. The odd stinker here and there, absolutely. Cowboy Bebop didn't work, whatever. But man, their One Piece series worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, and then you look at their ability to do dramatic, when, whether you're talking about The Crown or like, listen, probably 20 of the top 30 best shows the last number of years has probably been Netflix series. They do a great job. I don't see the trailer looks spectacular. The casting is good. I, I haven't heard a good reason to be skeptical mm-hmm. of it yet. So, yeah. And again, that doesn't mean the show will be good. It might be terrible. We'll find out. But yes, if the live action show is terrible, that will unfairly probably affect the box office of any animated feature that comes later and if or help it. And if he's a fan of this actual property, what a time to be alive for you. You know what I mean? Like you're going to witness, especially after that trailer, man. Yeah. After that, I don't see how not, you, you're not excited for this. That trailer looks spectacular. You know? so hopefully it works out for you. And you know what? It looks a little bit more mature than the animated show did. Yes. Which I think you have to be, you can't just take, the animated show and just do a direct translation. I think too many people will find it a little immature, whatever. If you, if you translate the animation into live action, but I think it looks a little darker than it did, but still captures the spirit of it. Agreed. I got a lot of hope for this man. And when he does that jumping kick and he, I think, does he uh, deflect arrows or are arrows being shot at him? That shot was so cool. I I think he uses air to push. Oh yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. He is He's an airbender after all. He's a master. He he can bend everything. He, earth, fire, air. He can do it. Water. Mm. He's he's the he's the avatar. Urine. He bends it like urine. Beckham. Urine, urine. <laughs> into the yeah. side of the bowl. Into That's... a silent stream into the bowl. Yeah. Uretar. That's what I wanted. Uretar. Uretar. <laughs> oh my god. And John is the Uretar, the piss bender. <laughs> little little the arrow pops up on my head. Uretar <laughs> the piss bender. Oh boy. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy (laughs) Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the questions. Number one, because you gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, Just to let you guys know, a little bit of a programming note, there will be an open mic again a little bit later this afternoon. So probably probably a couple hours from now. So come on back and join us for that. So, I want to thank the people in the room with me. Ray Ora, <laughs> Jonathan Voico. See you later. Robert Meyer Burnett. It's time to go. My name's Sean Campia, and until the next time, my friends, bye-bye.